also seeing them develop as people, because who knows, they could be a, a future director or maybe a future microsite planner or church church planner, who knows, right? So not just kind of like ending it, okay, you got a group, yay! Welcome to the Exponential Groups podcast. I'm your host, Alan White. This podcast is designed to help you take the guesswork out of groups. In each episode, you will discover effective ways to recruit more leaders, form better groups, and make more disciples. Please subscribe to this monthly podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast. Our guest today is Mark Richardson. Mark is the life pastor at San Diego Rock Church, where he has served for 15 years. Rock Church has over 500 small groups and saw their groups increase by 211% in 2020. That's right, 2020. Prior to the Rock Church, Mark served as a board member and executive director at the Gyra Ministries Foundation and was an intern with the Christian Embassy to the United Nations. He holds an MA in pastoral studies from Azusa Pacific and an MBA from Point Loma. All right, Mark, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Alan. Really excited to be a part of this. Now, I've been following uh, Rock Church for some time, and you guys are just ever-expanding. And how many campuses do you have at this point? Yeah, sure. So right now we have um, five multi-site campuses, uh, one online campus, and microsites as well. And one cool thing about our church, we're looking to uh, continue expansion, right? So uh, whether that's um, more campuses or or more church plants uh, here in the States or, or around the world, we're looking to can continue to expand. So I'm super excited about that. That's cool. That's cool. Now, just in case people don't understand, what what is a microsite? What does that mean to your church? Yeah, so a microsite is essentially like a small, almost like a mini church plant, kind of like wherever you're at, right? So um, what we do is, is we'll set up um, uh, basically a screen and a projector and have two or three volunteers run basically a service at different parts in the community, whether it's maybe like outside of somebody's coffee shop, or it might be at the beach, or, you know, just different, it might be in a parking lot, just different random locations, right? But what we do is offer the service and we have it hosted by a local volunteer um, with prayer and food and, and everything else. So really it's an opportunity to bring church um, all throughout the community um, in a less expensive way, but still having a deep impact. Yeah, that makes sense. And a, and a microsite is different from a small group, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, it's actually like a service. It's actually running a church service. We stream a live church service from our different microsite locations. And then from the microsites, they have groups that meet during the week, right? So like, you know, your typical small group that might meet over a Bible study or the weekly discussion questions or something like that. That's great. And so it's interesting giving people a variety of places that they can connect and participate in the service without going online, without coming to the main campus or one of the other campuses is just, you know, an- another angle, another opportunity, removing an excuse from uh, coming to church, right? So let's talk a little bit about your groups because uh, let's go back and just kind of looking at where your groups were prior to the pandemic, prior to 2020, and uh, where, where your groups are now, and some of the changes that have happened in the last, you know, year and a half. Yeah, I mean, you know, as well as I do, I've been obviously reading your podcast, but got to be in one of your cohorts. And, you know, it was great to be a part of just that community, even being a part of that cohort community. I remember, I think the pandemic hit in the middle of our cohort, right? And it did. It was it was great to be a part of a 
of a community of other pastors, you know, that were going through some more issues and be able to sh- share resources, you know, mm-hmm. and get tips obviously from you and from the other pastors and kind of support each other. I think that was actually super helpful in me, for me in navigating the pandemic. I remember when it hit just thinking, okay, what, what's our next transition going to be? Because all of our groups had to go online immediately. Right. Mm-hmm. So we weren't allowed to meet in person. So even connecting with some of the other pastors that I've seen in your po- podcast, like Jay Cranda from Saddleback Church mm-hmm. and learning about how to do groups online. Um, we already had an online campus going, which was great that had groups going. So um, one of the first things I did was connect with our online campus pastor, you know, and really, okay, how do we transition our current groups um, to bring them online? So that was helpful. And then just using our, working with our cohort pastors and, and just kind of like leaning from them to create like actual template. Okay, this is how you meet online. You know, this is how to use your lighting. <laughs> you know, these are the resources that we have for your groups to meet online and navigating that and, and the wins and the losses, what's working, what's not working. So I, I think pre-pandemic, you know, we were meeting in person. It was business as usual. But when the pandemic hit, it was everybody was online, right? And kind of like the state of what's happening, you know, um, what's happening with COVID, you know, what are people safe to meet in person or not? And we just went straight, hey, everybody go and meet online. And it was it was definitely challenging at first, right? Because, you know, groups were used to, used to meeting in person and now you're throwing everybody on Zoom. So I know there was, was a bit of a challenge and a curve there. But I think one thing that really helped us out was uh, when Pastor Miles went to um, promoting his, uh, the third option. Mm-hmm. Because not only was COVID happening last year, but, you know, there was also a lot of tension, you know, that was going on, you know, at, at least in the news and, and throughout yeah. the U.S. So one of the things that Pastor Miles did was, you know, promote his book and um, having book clubs in our church. And we really gave people the opportunity to host groups without necessarily going through our, our group leader um, pathway that we typically take people through. And I think we almost got a hundred or so groups uh, started that way, which was, which was awesome. You know, it was a great kind of kickstart to groups and it it happened, I think towards the end of the summer. Mm -hmm. Right. And historically we usually see engagement in January and September, you know, typically goes along with the school year, right. In terms of people starting and, and joining groups, but um, for him to be able to bring something like that up. And I think it was like early August or mid August or something like that. And just the huge amount of people that, that were interested in getting those groups going. I mean, I had a group that was online going through our, our book club curriculum. We had consistently about 25 people every week that were a part of that group. And wow. I mean, it was, it, it was big, but what we did was we, we broke it into to smaller breakout groups. So we would meet as a large group, and go over curriculum and then we'd break out into smaller groups and have people connect that way. And we would rotate every week for the four weeks. So people would meet different people every week. And it was, it, it was kind of, uh, how do I put it? It was a, I don't want to say it was a great experiment, <laughs> you know, 20, 2020 was a great experiment, but um, it definitely for, for, forced us to get out of our, our comfort zone, right. Yeah. Of just doing church a certain way. Right. And realizing that, that Zoom could work, even if it's for a season, you know, online could work, even if it's for a season. And now, you know, we're at the point where we're doing 
both. We have groups that are meeting online and, and now meeting in person again. Even though last year was such a, a rough year for so many people, I think as far as a, a church and our growth is concerned, I think we were able to, to learn a lot, work on our systems and work how we uh, work on how we operate online um, so that we could be more be more effective. And, and that's what we've been trying to do over the course of the last six months is really kind of hone in on our follow-up mm-hmm. <laughs> as well with our leaders, right? Because um, follow-up is a big piece. When you think of coaching, when you're used to seeing people on Sunday and then you don't see people anymore right. <laughs> on Sunday, you don't see your group leaders anymore on Sundays, right? So that's another aspect that we've been working on. For sure. For sure. And I think that, you know, I was talking to somebody one day and they said that just how much chaos had been caused, you know, because of COVID. But I think in addition to the chaos that COVID brought about a lot of clarity of right. what what does the church need? I mean, because the reality was we had to change our method as, as you guys did very well, changing everything up. But our mission remained the same. We still needed to go and make disciples. People still needed to have community. We just had to redefine that. And, you know, two of the things that I'm hearing from you that I think are really, really smart. One is you followed your senior pastor's lead, that he wanted to go with you know, the third option. I told people in other churches, you know, if your pastor has a book, promote the book. If your pastor doesn't have a book, use Miles's book. Come on. Um, but that was the first thing. That's where he was headed. And of course, it was very timely. The second thing was you called it a book club. Right. And so you didn't have to go back and, re- and you know, okay, what are the qualifications to lead a small group? Well, it's not a small group. It's a book club. So what are the qualifications to lead a book club? well, that you want to start one and you've got some friends and you can follow along. So I think in that, you know, language determines culture in a lot of ways. And I think the fact that you called it something different, I mean, it was a book club, it was around a book, but you could have called it a small group just as easy, but it gave you a little bit of permission to do something different because you just gave it a different name. Right. And And I know some of those, those um, hosts, those people that host, you know, I think they continued on and continued on their groups um, into into 2021, 20, you know, after after the book club was over. Right. Yeah. So some of those groups continued on, which was which is great, you know. Yeah. And I, and I don't think our goal is to, to dumb it down or to permanently lower the bar or anything like that. I think it's you know, it's a starting point of a leadership development process. Um, so let me go to this. Um, so you, in the middle of the summer, in the middle of the pandemic, you have a hundred more groups than you had. And I think at one point we added it up and you'd increased by 211% overall from 2019, which is kind of a crazy way to grow. But how, how do you support all of those leaders? So across multiple campuses, um, what, what does that look like? The way that we're set up, we have associate campus pastors at all of our campuses. And you've ever been an associate campus pastor before, whether it's over one ministry or, or not. I mean, we all have job descriptions, but we know that, that there's a lot of ministry going on, right? So mm-hmm. uh, those guys, you know, they oversee anywhere from, from three to or, or more ministries, right? So they have a responsibility to oversee those groups. What we've been working on over the last four months is a way to make their job easier so that they're checking in with the leaders and they're, they're having good follow-up and they're able to shepherd well, right? So what we've tried to do is streamline the process and we've actually um, been working on kind of customizing our own database systems to be able to do that. Some of it I've been gleaning from different models from, from different churches, but having a, a tiered level structure of a group leaders growth development, right? So 
you know, step one is just getting that leader in, you know, with our basic requirements of our membership class, going through a pastoral interview, getting our basic leadership training, but then taking it to another level, right? You know, maybe a level two level where, hey, are you raising up a co-leader? Are you developing a co-leader? Are you getting training to do that? Are your meetings consistent? You know, are you meeting consistently? What's the curriculum that you're going over? All the way up to the point where they've they've multiplied their leadership and they're meeting with other group leaders that have multiplied their leadership. And now it's it's more of a sharing. It's more of an information sharing and praying, you know, how are you doing? How are you guys doing your 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 groups well? Right. So, and then the pastors having directors or our coaches following up. And so the way that we've have it set up is, you know, our group leaders are kind of in in what you would call a queue, right? Depending on on their level of growth. And those associate campus pastors are are pinged when it's time to follow up <laughs> with a group leader and check in. And they kind of have a script of the questions to ask their group leader. And then we follow up as a support team on on our side of things. Uh, okay, you know, how's this group leader doing doing in our database? You know, have they added their members? You know, are their meetings consistently done online? Right? Are they are they growing? You know, as a leader, maybe they've gone through our our, our group leader training, but but maybe they haven't yet taken the step and, and gone through um, our leadership growth track that we do throughout the church for all our leaders to see them continue to grow and develop. So so really, I think the goal is seeing the group leaders uh, multiply their groups, but also seeing them develop. Well, 2021 hasn't quite turned out the way that we thought it would. It's not 2020, thank God, but it's also not 2019. The world has changed. Our people have changed. Hybrid life seems to be here to stay. People are craving community, but they're keeping certain things virtual and they're being pickier overall about how to spend their time. How do we move forward with small groups in 2021? I'll give you a hint. It's not by moving backward. That's why I'm offering the 2021 Small Group Reset, five days to reframe your ministry. This free on-demand video resource will help you navigate the changing culture within your church. Sign up at allenwhite.org forward slash reset. That's A-L-L-E-N. W-H-I-T-E dot org slash reset and start today. Fall 2021 looks to be the greatest group launch opportunity you've ever seen. Let me guide you in getting prepared. As people, because who knows, they could be a, a future director or maybe a future microsite planner or church church planner. Who knows, right? So not just kind of like ending it. Okay, you got a group. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like, 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 Hey, you know, you got a group. Great. You know, let's, let's invest in you. Let's, let's make sure that it's clear. You know, we want, we want to see you investing in people, discipling people, seeing your group multiply, but also, you know, how are you growing and Mm -hmm. what, where's God taking you, whether it's in the workplace or in the church or with a nonprofit, what have you, you know, how's, how's God growing you up? How, and how can we help you do that? Yeah. I, I love that. I love the spirit of multiplication of, you know, you say in the Gospels, Jesus spent 75% of his time with with 12, his 12 right. disciples. And because of those 12 disciples, you and I are here sitting here talking about something in the church and, and the church was all, you know, built on on Jesus and then mobilizing them. And so I think that's, that's great because what, you know, what are the callings of your members and what is their potential? And as you invest in them, 
and build into their lives. It could be the next campus pastor. It could be the next, you know, the, the next Mark Richardson. Um, you, you never know. You never know. Let me ask you this, Mark, and I know that this wasn't in our prepared questions, but when you were coming up, who yeah. invested in you? What did that right. look like? My first group was in college. So I was, you know, I was a fraternity guy. I, I was one of those guys that was just kind of crazy. And, you know, like God got a hold of me. I showed up to church on a Sunday on my own, on my own free will. No one towed me in, <laughs> you know, you know, God just, God just met me in a powerful way. Coming back to church and somebody I showed up to a campus crusade for Christ meeting and someone just tapped me on my shoulder and invited me to a group. You know, and it all started there. You know, it all started in a group, you know, a group with some guys, guys shepherded me in a way where it led to multiplication. You know, I ended up reaching the fraternities on our campus and we started a group with, with fraternity guys weren't doing what they were supposed to do. <laughs> you know? And it's like, Hey, you know, let's, let's talk about God. I, I've been where you guys are at and, and let's talk about God and, and let's see you guys, you, you guys grow up in the Lord and you know, that for me just led in some more opportunities to serve in inner city New York to, and I never shared this with you, but to the point where um, one of my dream was, dreams was to actually go work at the United Nations. Oh, wow. And I got to be a part of a, of a Christian group. It's called the Christian Embassy. And so I got to be a part of interning with them. And so I was sitting alongside of diplomats and ambassadors at the United Nations within a couple of years, wow. <laughs> you know, just being able to do ministry at that level, you know, and then God just after that, you know, um, came back to San Diego and pursued business, but got called into the church. And, you know, I, I had some great mentors in my life. One who's currently my, my current boss, uh, Mickey Stone, yay. And I had another pastor who was overseeing me in outreach for a while. And um, yeah, just giving me an opportunity to, to do the work of the ministry, but also investing my continued growth and development. And, you know, for me, a part of that journey was seminary, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> so absolutely. So was, was huge. I got to, to serve at a church while at the same time go to seminary. So it was, I, I got to apply what I was learning every day. So that's great. It's been a great journey. And I don't even know how many groups I was a part of along the way, but it's <laughs> so always one. <laughs> I think with that early that early influence of groups, especially with Crusade or Crew now, and yeah. uh, they're always multiplying. They're always getting you know who's going to be the next leader, who's going to be, and then with your your background too with business, then that you know makes sense as far as your understanding of sit of systems and processes and how do you develop leaders yeah. and. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I I can't believe we've never talked about that before, but that's it's yeah. good good to good to hear. Now I know when you guys last year in the pandemic, you went online. You were in California. You guys were locked down forever, and but you yeah. went online, and but that didn't turn into a negative. I mean, your online campus exploded. So you have all of these people gathering online. How do you disciple that online congregation? What does that look like? Took our membership class and we also put that online. Okay. So um, we went to Zoom meetings on Sundays and that was one of the main focuses uh, along with groups, right? So all of our groups going from in-person to being online as well as our uh, Sunday membership class and putting that online and not just uh, an on-demand class. I mean, that's something that we're working towards. Um, okay. But a class where people could actually connect with other people on Zoom and meet real people, right? And be there live with another teacher and see other students. So that was the major shift. 
that we made was with our, our two quote unquote entry points, our membership class, which we call life class. And uh-huh. then the way that we get people plugged into groups and moving that from in-person to online and then just highlighting that every week, you know, not shying away from it, but making it um, the main focal point of all of our, our Sunday announcements on a weekly basis. So not just, you know, the, the groups guy saying, hey, <laughs> you know, can you promote groups? You know, I, it, sign it, up for like, a group. I want to keep yeah. my job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, you know, it, was, it was top. It, it was top down. Hey, you know, like this is what we're doing. You know, we're, we're going to get people into groups. And, you know, it's just such a blessing having our senior pastor get those book clubs going. Uh, you know, and and allowing people to host, I think, and just, you know, uh, kudos to you just being a part of your training, your trainings, and also your cohort, giving people the opportunity to go ahead and host, to go ahead and and try it out and do it. I think probably prior to that, I would have been like, no, (laughs) you know, (laughs) go through our process. (laughs) Well, I I appreciate that, but I'm, I'm just to be fair, I'm just an instigator. God's the one that does the work. God's the one that does the work, but uh, it's been great to see how you guys have developed, you know, the associate campus pastors, because I know a lot of multi-sites depend on the campus pastor to oversee the group. And of course, the campus pastor is having to pull off the weekend every week. And so sometimes groups have a last thing on their mind, but I think having having a person in place that with that responsibility, even though they have multiple responsibilities, I think is, is, is helpful because there's a lot of multi-site guys that are just kind of in the weeds of how do you do all this stuff. I think you guys have figured out some, um, some really, really good things. So going forward, what, what's your next group rollout going to look like? What's your next launch going to look like? Well, the cool thing that we actually have going on right now during the summer is um, we have what we call connect groups going on. So it's kind of similar to the host concept. You know, we have people that are already leaders, but just a, a place for people to connect over, whether it's, you know, going for a walk or maybe it's talking about a particular subject, or maybe it's like a cooking group, or maybe it's like a sports group or something like that, just a way for people to connect at a very low level of entry. And so like our, our women's ministry is doing this, our young adult, 1825 community, college community, they're doing this for the summer. I think even our uh, youth ministry, you know, is doing this for the summer. And then um, all these things are leading up to events that come are coming during the summer. So we have our marriage retreat that's coming up. So with our marriage retreat, you know, one of the strategies that we're doing is, you know, at that retreat, you know, the real next step is getting people to either start groups or join groups. So, you know, we've developed the strategy at the retreat where we've invited keynote speakers that have groups curriculum. There you so, go. So, you know, when they're speaking, they're talking about their curriculum and then we're getting groups set up, you know, right then and there during the actual retreat and then launching groups based on the curriculum after the retreat that we'll meet for six to eight weeks. So those are some of the main things that we're doing is, is just letting people connect at a low level, getting them to our events Right. Mm-hmm. And then at our events, making sure that we're giving that next step to either start or join a group. And so those events are happening over the summer and then early fall. And then we're going to do a, another push again uh, during the fall. So our rhythm is kind of fall and then early in the year, January. And then after Easter is our rhythm for group. We call them semesters. Um, okay. typically they, they run for about eight weeks, but we've seen the most engagement typically happens in um, September after I think it's uh, Labor Day. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in January, after we kind of do our, our fast, which usually ends the second or the third week of January. 
That's great. That's yeah. great. And I, I love the fact that you, you know, you can catalyze a commitment. You can build a lot of enthusiasm up at a retreat or at an event, right. but then the follow through. In fact, I was just telling a pastor this week that sometimes the worst thing you can do for marriages in your church is have a marriage conference because everybody's coming on strong and they're going to they're going to make changes and then they get out of the conference and Monday morning hits and you're back to normal life and it's hard to live up to all of those things that you promised unless you have you other believers around you on an ongoing basis that are going to offer support and accountability and encourage you in that I remember a conversation years ago with Randy Phillips who has been the president of Promise Keepers and he said that was one of the big issues with Promise Keepers was they would have these great events and they would pack stadiums. And I went to several of those. And then what they found was that afterwards, they didn't have follow through mm-hmm. and they didn't have a way for men to live this out and to cheer each other on. And so ultimately, they had a lot of Promise Keepers that became Promise Breakers because there was no follow through. So um, I love what you're doing. Now, when you have an event, um, let's say with the marriage retreat or something like that, do you have pre-selected leaders going into that that are going to start groups or do you just give the opportunity or what does that look like? Yeah, so so we've asked um, our marriage pastor to ask the marriage groups if they would consider putting aside their um, curriculum that they're currently going over and using the new curriculum after the marriage retreat. So they could be open groups for people to join after the marriage retreat. So um, that's how we're pursuing it. And then Mm -hmm. at the retreat, um, instead of just letting it be an announcement, we actually do a breakout where we have everybody leave the main hall and then they go to their respective campuses at those campus rooms. It's led by a campus pastor who, who leads the breakout. It's a lot of kind of like icebreaker stuff, get to know the people at your table kind of stuff. But then there's a commitment that we ask for as well. Um, during those breakouts that campus pastor asked for a commitment. And it's so great because the people get get connection with the campus pastor and the campus pastor's wife, but then they're also meeting more people at the campus mm-hmm. um, at their table and they're sharing their story. So uh, we've seen a lot of success from it. I think uh, at our last marriage retreat, we had 95 couples commit to joining a group. And then I think we had another like 15 to 20 or so commit to starting a group at our, our last marriage retreat. So it was just it's just amazing. It's kind of our model. Don't let everybody just sit in the main hall, but find a way to, to get them to connect in community and share their stories with each other, yeah. right? Um, so they can build that relationship, you know, and I'm sure some of those couples at the retreat after, after those breakouts probably went out for dinner and, you know, exchanged phone numbers. I know, you know, some are exchanging phone numbers and email mm-hmm. address. If, if you show up to events, sometimes you don't know anybody. And so it's a, it's a great way to connect people as well. Yeah. No, and I, I love that. And all throughout this podcast, you've talked about, you talked about book clubs, you've talked about connect groups, you've talked about groups starting off of events. I know that you've had R groups and D groups, discipleship groups, and, right. <laughs> and you know, you have a whole variety of groups. So I want, what I want the listeners to hear is, you know, if they're a fisherman uh, or fisher person, fisher woman, I don't know. I messed up myself up there. But anyway, if you're into fishing, you're you're trying all these different kinds of bait to catch different fish. And I think the same way here with having your main campus, your online campus, your multi-site campuses, micro-site campuses, and then a variety of groups, you're trying a lot of different ways. Because the one thing we do know is one size simply does not fit all. And people are interested in different things, they're available for different things, they're motivated to different things. And I think it's great to offer offer the variety and, you know, not make them uh, 
you know, do do a cookie cutter sort of thing because we don't live in that kind of world. You know, for me, it's really just been, for me, I'm trying to take more of a seat of learning from others, you know, whether it's it's other churches or, you know, people like you, Alan, or even like people that are actually like on my staff, you know, just because I'm the, the group's guy doesn't mean that I always have to be the group's expert, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, like ideas and um, opportunities can come from, from the staff, you know, so it's being open to not just being locked into my system, <laughs> you know, but being open to, to innovations and, and things that are happening with the rest of the staff. Right. Um, yeah. So it's been great to see um, uh, some of our staff, like our women's team and our young adult team come up with this new uh, connect concept. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens this summer. You know, hopefully we can get some more groups going. <laughs> yeah. Well, here in San Diego, it's always summer, right? Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess I guess that's relative to where you live. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you, you know, go. it's definitely a blessing. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Mark, thank you very much. Thank you for being on the podcast and sharing with us and uh, appreciate it. Hey, Alan, thank you for all your, your help, man, over the last, uh, what, year and a half? You know, you really, you really helped out our church out a lot. Thank you. Join us next month for episode seven with Carolyn Takeda, the small groups pastor at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village, California. Carolyn is also the longtime host of the Group Talk podcast with the Small Group Network. Join us for a discussion on keeping the value of small groups high in your church.